cliffcentral.com. Welcome to the business section of our Business Masterclass. I'm Richard Angus, CEO of the Finance Team, your part-time financial executive solution. Today we're going to be talking about that really topical and interesting uh, topic of personal information and access to that. Joining me in studio is our guest, Chantal Frazier, CEO of Dracor. Welcome, Chantal. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for being with us. And it's actually Dracor Data Sciences. Sciences. Great. Yes. Chantal, you've found yourself at the forefront of the whole personal information world. Um, I know per, uh, information and uh, the whole world of information is is something that's very uh, you're very passionate about. Um, I've seen you running many, many uh, sessions around data management and Poppy and the various acts that are coming out and how the, the world of data is evolving. But more recently, you've uh, found yourselves in uh, the headlines with this whole data breach question in the South African context. And we thought it would be appropriate to talk a little bit about personal information from a business perspective and how business people should be treating the personal information of of their clients and and what we as business owners should be should be focusing on and, and, and thinking about now poppy hasn't come into effect yet i know they've promulgated certain parts of the act setting up uh, some of the let's call it the monitoring structures as i understand it but the full act itself is not not in play and you know, we, we, you know, so for, let me give an example and maybe start this off by way of an example. Um, you know, I think we all pass around information, uh, personal information about ourselves and our clients and, and people that we work with quite freely. Um, you know, it's nothing for somebody to say in, in, in our business, in uh, the finance team, we deal with people's profiles a lot. So people will say, oh, well, email me I'll, or I'll email you my CV. And we go, yeah, sure, email, fine, no problem. And the CV arrives, and then you've got to put it somewhere. Now, the reality is all of those types of documents contain people's ID numbers, their home address, their contact details, their full names, their qualifications. I mean, I mean it's, it's a gold mine of personal information. And we discovered why we went on you know, one of these poppy courses to upskill ourselves and make sure we're staying current. And my business partner, Grant Robson, came back and said, we need to look at how we secure this data and make sure we've got this 100% secure. Because we became very aware as business owners about our responsibility once we have data in terms of how we store it and, and what we do with it. Um, so maybe just take us through what, what should business owners be thinking about when it comes to personal information that they're holding on customers, staff, even suppliers, I guess, in their business? What what should people be aware of, Chantal? Richard, it's a good question. And, um, you know, this has basically been uh, one of the reasons why I've uh, been very involved in uh, providing, um, let's call it these practical seminars on, on understanding uh, what Poppy is about and really giving, um, you know, small to medium enterprises the ability to understand some practical, actionable points that they can start taking now. And, um, you know, like you mentioned, although the, the act was signed into law in November 2013 and uh, around April 2014, there were certain sections of the act that came into place. 
really, you know, the, the pieces of the legislation that are in effect now are really just exactly that, the monitoring of it and setting up the information regulator's office. But in terms of small businesses and medium-sized businesses now, um, essentially this, this act applies to any business that keeps any type of record relating to personal information. And if you think about that widely, I don't think we can exclude any business in, <clears throat> in South Africa that would be exempt from, uh, you know, complying with Poppy. And, you know, broadly speaking, if you, if you look at personal information, this is anything that uh, would allow somebody to uh, identify an individual. It could be an ID number, a name, an email address, an address. And, um, you know, you as a, as a business owner essentially are the respons- responsible party. And the um, responsibility lies with you to ensure that you take all reasonable steps to secure that information and, uh, because every single individual data subject consumer has the right um, to that privacy. So what we have seen, and, and I guess there's lots of challenges, you know, that businesses face. So let's just take the fran- you know, franchise models as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've, you, you've got a, um, a brand that has a number of different uh, franchises within that, that um, organizational structure. And, uh, you know, there's a whole lot of other things that play um, come into play. So a lot of businesses that we deal with today, we see have adopted these policies of, uh, let's call it, bring your own device to work. Now, um, if you just think about that for a moment, what kind of challenges or risks does this open up for businesses? So, you know, one of the things is when you when you driving a bring your own device to to work kind of scenario, you now open yourself up to um, you know dealing with soft targets because you don't you're not in control of the security that exists on your um, employees' devices. But from a business perspective. You have a responsibility to make sure that above all you have consent from the data subject and data consent is really number one to, to, to get permission that you can store their information, permission to process it in, uh, for the purpose in which you, you know, you've originally collected that data and very importantly do it in a trans, uh, transparent manner and Lastly, is that you might be asking the questions today, but what we see on a regular basis is that there are very few businesses that have practically um, deployed solutions that give you the ability to audit trail these these conversations and record mm. that you've actually had this conversation that you can demonstrate that you've taken reasonable steps yeah. to comply. Now. I want to just so this is what Poppy's going to require of us going forward. So right now, if you've got data, there is no, let's call it, um, enforcement or, or or legal requirement around the storing of the data. Right now, Poppy will bring bring that if I, if I understood you correctly there. So Poppy's going to bring the requirement in terms of data storage and standards, et cetera, security standards, et cetera. It, it legislates that in, uh, at this point. Yes, but I think, um, Richard, what a lot of um, businesses fail to to review at this moment in time, that there's lots of overlap between different pieces of legislation. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, if you have a look at the National Credit Act, you know, the Consumer Protection Act, the ECT Act, 
a lot of these um, things are around consent and obtaining consent and unsolicited communication have been in place for the last eight years. Okay. But everybody's so focused on this 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 poppy act that's that's coming, and you know we're all waiting in anticipation for it. But um, when you're reading the the act, you need to, as a business owner. Um, understand the legislation that, that applies to your business and uh, your operating procedures and take ownership to understand those. And even if there is some overlap, you know, from a reputational perspective, your your customers, your clients want to see that you're taking this legislation seriously. So although Poppy's not here, there are there are pieces of legislation that are in effect already. And, you know, it's time to to step up to the plate and take ownership for that and deploy, you know, a holistic mm. um, approach to how you deal with data security in your business. Mm. Now, I mean, we, you're talking about data security. Let's let's move for a moment to what, what what's had you in the headlines recently, and and I'd actually like to approach this one almost a little bit from the from the other side. I mean, the reality is now, and it's easy to do this almost a you know review back over the what what's transpired in at the end of October, but the reality is we now know that a database that Jigsaw Holdings as the company um, had. Was exposed and was not uh, was exposed on the on the on the web in terms of it was uh, the data was unprotected and was available and could be accessed basically by having access uh, by anybody logging into a certain IP address. Now, I then stop at that point and I go, okay, so somebody has got data. They've got this da- uh, data, and they have an obligation, surely. Jigsaw Holdings has an obligation to to protect it. Now, if I go and look at what's happened in the public space, and Chantal, your Draco Data Sciences got dragged, your name got dragged into into this one. But I then look at other uh, um, other uh, articles that have been been written. There's been one or two that have actually named Jigsaw Holdings as the guys who actually allowed or. I wouldn't say allowed, but it happened in their data space. And I kind of asked my, myself the question, you know, we've now, we now know who was re- responsible for it, and yet there doesn't seem to be almost a, a, a massive reaction to that. It was almost like, you know, while we didn't know who it was, it was a real interesting story. But now we know who it is. Okay, cool, that's fine. And, and I'm going, hold on a second here. Where, where is Jigsaw coming to the table to say, yes, I mean, and they have openly, to their credit, they immediately said, yes, this was us, and we're sorting it out. And they did sort it out. They took it, uh, made sure they had the security in place. But then my follow-up question is one of, okay, um, if my data was amongst that, amongst that data point, those data points, did I have, a, as, a, as a member of the general public, do I have a, or can I have a reasonable expectation that they would have secured that data. Now, under Poppy, yes, I definitely would have had the legal right. Before Poppy comes into play, do I have the right to expect them to secure my data? I mean, I I kind of think at a common law perspective, hmm, you know, having your databases, no matter what they are, no matter who they, what they contain, having your databases, of you know, accessible to the general public. 
is just bad business practice. So they, they fail the, the, let's call it common sense. You don't put your data out there for everybody to see guys. So, so they fail on that, on that, on that one. So that's more, uh, let's, we call it a commercial, you know, commercially, you don't put your, 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 your database out there for everybody to see. Um, but beyond the commercial reality of, of somebody doing that for commercial reasons, you don't do it. Could the public turn around from an estate agency perspective and say, hold on, Jigsaw, um, you're an estate agency grouping. You've got my data. I would have expected you to have the necessary firewalls and security in place to protect that data. Would that have been reasonable, Chantal? Uh, in, in, in the current landscape, is, is, is that a reasonable expectation or is that me reaching for almost, they always say, the problem with law is that, and most women will tell you, the problem with law is they have this thing called the reasonable man test. And that's not, <laughs> not necessarily true. But would a reasonable person expect a, uh, this data to be put behind a firewall of, of and, and, and uh, you know, password security, etc.? I mean, isn't that... A reasonable expectation or not? Richard, I believe that your expectation is reasonable and, and that of consumers, would it, it would be a reasonable um, expectation. Um, you know, there's lots of uh, commentary that I can add in, in that space. Um, you know, just looking at, you know, how the events unfolded, you know, within five days, which I think, you know, off, off the bat was just way too long, but within five days, um, you know, Jigsaw Holdings had confirmed that it blocked, you know, access to the servers and, uh, they had taken appropriate measures, you know, to conclude a further investigation. You know, I don't, I can't comment on, on what the, the detail mm. is, but, um, I think your assumption is fair, but, mm. you know, from, from an outsider, um, it's, it appears as though they just simply didn't have, you know, the necessary, um, let's call it segregation of duties and, um, you know, implemented to order trail, you know, access to databases and who was taking what. Um, but, you know, that being said, if, if, if that was the case, you know, irrespective of, of whichever, um, data providers or service providers, you know, that Jigsaw had worked with, let's call it over the last 20 years. Um, and of course we all know Draco Investments uh, was one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, th- the question is, is that maybe if I can use this, um, this analogy, Richard, you know, you, you, you worked in the bank for, for many years. Um, and I'm sure you're familiar with how, you know, data enrichment works. So if we go back to, um, Let's, let's think about like the bad debt business units in the bank. And these areas in the bank are constantly, you know, employing the services of data enrichment companies mm-hmm. for the purpose of um, obtaining up-to-date contactability so that they can collect, you know, outstanding debt. So let's say for as an example um, that you at the bank had employed the services of Drake or Data Sciences to come and do data enrichment for you. Um, but before we could, uh, you know, Go ahead and actually do the data enrichment. Um, we said to you that we, that Drake or Data Sciences would come and do a full security audit on the bank that you worked with RT um, environment. What would your response be to me? Um, I can't say that on air because <laughs> there, there's no ways that I would, as, as a, as a regulated institution would rely, uh, would allow anybody else for that matter. In fact, I think if you were to allow somebody else to come in and have a look at your your 
security, there would be a big question mark. So, yes, perhaps if you had an independent security um, you know, review done by a professional firm or whatever, but you definitely wouldn't let your provider come in. At, at, at best, you could possibly ask me if you if it was a real material uh, issue and there was material concerns, you may get away with saying to me, I'd like a report from your information security auditors, internal audit, you know, in, uh, information mm. security internal auditors, or possibly your external auditors at a, at a real push. And that was assuming you were doing a massive amount of data work with me and you had reason to be really concerned. So yeah, I, I can see your, your problem. I mean, how do you, you're working with a company and now you've got to check out. And I mean, let's, let's put this back to the jigsaw scenario. So was it the responsibility of every single person that did work with jigsaw to do an information security audit on the way they stored their, their data? And, and I guess the answer is, well, that sounds a little, absurd to expect every every person to do that and i mean in your example i mean how many years have they accumulated data over how many data providers have they worked with um you know dracois may have been one of them there would have been others that they've worked with uh, over a period of time my question is oh okay great so if that's the expectation let's use draco as the example did you do a security audit on them no, you probably didn't. I'm pretty sure you probably had in your contract a requirement that they have to store data in a certain way. And if they don't, they're in breach on that on that side. And you had that clause in, as did probably every other data provider that they worked with. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd question and say, well, can the data provider that did audit Jigsaw Holdings please put their hand up? Because I bet you we're not going to see too many hands in the room. Um, and, I, and I don't think that's a reasonable expectation to expect – you know, you, uh, any data provider to be checking the, uh, you know, the security layers on all of their clients, unless you had a reason to suspect that there might be something untoward. But a group the size of Jigsaw, um, I don't think there's an expectation that they wouldn't know how to establish a firewall and secure their servers, particularly given the nature of their business and the fact that client lists are mm. extremely competitive in the real estate industry. So yeah, I, I hear you there about that about that question, and and I think I also get to the point of, you know, if you're doing data enrichment, I mean the important thing around the data enrichment that most people forget, in, and this whole question of personal information is, remember that, for for me to get data enriched, if I was Jigsaw, let's use the Jigsaw example, they don't just come to you or TransUnion ITC or anybody else and say, hi, give me a list of people who own properties in the Johannesburg area. They can't do that. They're not allowed to do that, and, and, and the data services industry doesn't work like that. They actually have to come in and say, here's an ID number of an owner of a property that we've interacted with. We need their new contact details, their phone number, and their postal address, please. That data, type of data enrichment is exactly what your business and other businesses of similar nature are about. But there has to be, let me, what, what do you call it, the customer key that tells you and indicates to you as the data provider that this person actually has an existing relationship with the customer and is allowed to pull their data. Am I correct? That is correct. We we refer to it as a as an input file in in you know data enrichment space and and it, uh, and it has to have a unique identifier. It's not like I'll give you the input file of all the proper uh, all the suburbs that I want information on. Correct. There's also this crossover about what information is actually publicly available out there. I mean, for example, deeds office data is actually, it's a public deeds office. 
So, it's, uh, you know, if somebody wants to know who lives at 1234 Highland Street, they can actually go and search that and find that in the public domain, and it is not restricted access. So it's not personal information if it's by definition of another act declared to be public. So people have to also be aware of, you know, that there's that fine crossover in, the, in that space. Now, Chantal, just, let's just talk for a moment about the events of, of this data breach and, and, and what happened. Because I, I've read, and there's been a number of articles um, that, that have played out and a number of people involved. But from what I could see, and, and I had some real deep questions about how this process played out, because, you know, there was a, there was a report published where um, Tefo Mahapi, I think it was from iAfrica.com, uh, kind of posed the question, is, da- uh, is Dracor responsible for this da- uh, data leak? And if you look at the article, it, it kind of does a whole lot of jumps from through various bits of data and interactions, etc. But what, what I found quite interesting was he came to the Dracor space by saying, oh, well, he looked at, Potentially, this coming from TransUnion ITC, then realized you were a channel partner of um, TransUnion ITC. And I'm going, okay, so did you ask the question, was TransUnion ITC responsible for, for, the, da- for the data breach? Okay, so he didn't ask that, that question. He asked if Dracor was responsible as a channel partner. But then what was more interesting for me was I didn't see anything saying, hey, I looked at the three or four other channel partners that that TransUnion ITC has, for example. Um, he seemed to hone in quite quickly into the Dracor, Dracor space and started joining a whole lot of dots. And I kind of went back and I said, well, hold on a second. Where did he get this information from? It came from Troy Hunt in Australia. And my question is simply, if you've got the data and it's in a, in an IP, you know, on a public IP and it's exposed, it's a simple case of looking up who owns the IP address and that is registered and you will get to jigsaw holdings in a matter of moments so why was that information not shared between troy and uh, and tefo mahapi um it seems that that only was shared a lot later in the process it, it, it's it, it seemed a little um almost uh engineered if i may say it and and for me my question is you know troy hunt puts it out there as a white hat hacker so there's a black hat hacker, which is, as I understand it, the guys who are trying to hack your bank account and make your life a misery. Then we have these guys that are called white hat, white hat hackers who work for various institutions, and they basically are there to try and proactively hack systems to check for vulnerabilities and the like. And Troy seems to try and wear that, uh, that hat. But then my question is, why not contact you TransUnion, ITC, Jigsaw, all of the parties that have ended up named in this thing without this becoming a public issue. Why did, why did we only get the thing closed down by Jigsaw five days after articles are released? You know, that kind of goes against the whole white hat uh, kind of label that he's trying to wear. So I, I have some serious questions about, uh, about that. And then, you know, I kind of look at it and go, okay, I'm, um, you know, and and I saw there was a comment somewhere where where Tefo made the comment to you, shut the site down, and it's not your site. And I'm going, well, here you have somebody who's blogging about the data breach, 
joining a whole lot of dots and he doesn't even know that you can't shut down a site that doesn't belong to you. That's a little bit of a technical faux pas, if I may say so. And I mean, I'm an accountant and I know that that's a problem. <laughs> so, you know, I kind of look at this and I go, and I have posed a whole lot of questions to Tefo to ask how he, he drew all of these conclusions because I'd really like to know and understand, you know, how he connected all these dots because the dots seem to have been connected almost haphazardly to say, say, say it. And for me as a business person, I look at what's now happened to Draco. You guys have had your, uh, services with TransUnion ITC suspended on the back of a request from the National Credit Regulator. You've, you've had to go through, as I understand it from your commentary, a National Credit Regulator review and audit and all sorts of stuff. You've been sitting with your business, uh, unable to operate for a number of, of weeks, all on the back of Tefu asking what he says is an innocent question. Is Dracor Investments involved, uh, you know, responsible for this or Dracor involved, uh, responsible for this? My question, I guess, is why did he not say is TransUnion ITC responsible for this and why isn't TransUnion suspended by the National Credit Regulator? And my second question, I guess, is when is the National Credit Regulator going to realize that Jigsaw has said they are the ones responsible and it has nothing to do with Dracor and they should lift the suspension, which hasn't happened, as I stand it, as I understand to uh, to date. You still, am I correct? Are you still suspended with TransUnion? Yes, you are correct. Okay, so I, I kind of look at this and I go, hold on a second here. You're 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 a business in South Africa. This is a show for for businesses. This is a business issue. How does somebody like Tefu Mahapi get to make a statement, which has now subsequently been proved to be inaccurate, and he claims was just a question, not actually a statement? Yet the National Credit Regulator feels fit to suspend you from the server, your ability to do business, goes through the audit but doesn't clear you, doesn't unsuspend you with TransUnion ITC. And the big players, the TransUnion ITCs of the world, the Jigsaw Holdings of the world, the guys with real muscle and money, none of them are named in any of this and none of them are suspended in anything. I mean, has, has the Estate Agency's Affairs Board gone to Jigsaw Holdings and said you have to cease trading or we're temporarily suspending your license as an estate agency grouping until we've got resolution on this matter and you've passed an audit and, sub- and subjected yourself to a data, you know, review of your data. Nothing of the sort has happened. Yet you've had to deal with this in, in, in Draco. And I kind of go, hmm, something here looks a little off from a business perspective. Am I, am I, am I asking questions that no one wants to answer clearly sometimes? Yeah, Richard, I think you're certainly asking questions that, uh, that nobody feels comfortable, um, asking at the moment. And, um, I'm, I'm sure you can, uh, um, appreciate that, you know, going through any form of investigation, you know, the obligation on Draco Data Sciences is to keep, you know, that, um, as confidential as possible. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that is an obligation that we take seriously. Suffice it to say, as yeah. I understand it, that you've come out of that with the National Credit Regulator satisfied that there was no issues on your side? We haven't reached uh, that conclusion yet. Um, we we should, you know, we should hear, we okay. should hear shortly, but um, timelines haven't been finalized mm. as yet. Um, look, the reality is, is that it uh, certainly has um, an impact on, on the business from an operational perspective, but... Um, Far more uh, further reaching than that is, I mean, if you, if you think about some of the work we do, you know, one, one part being 
around doing household income verification for um, students that apply for funding from government, which we call household income verification. And uh, on that basis, you know, some of the, the, the further reaching um, consequences of um, the suspension is that we haven't been able to service those um uh, students and as a result, you know, they uh, are at risk of not being able to to write exams, um, and you know, that's, that's, uh, a fa- that's a fairly serious situation to find yourself in. Yes, um, so you know, at this moment in time, it's uh, something that's you know out of our control. However, we we sit on you know on top of it uh, all day long, but you know, we also don't want to be sitting and. Uh, uh, creating, let's call it conspiracy theories, but something just, you know, does not fit well mm. or bear well. You know, um, up until this point, we haven't received any conclusive evidence from, you know, the Mr. Te for Mahapi as to how he made the so-called connection and joined these, these dots. Um, and, and, and then, you know, if you take a look at, um, you know, Cyber crime or cases of cyber crime, you know, it's really uncommon for, for cyber criminals to take the risk to actually steal information and then simply just leave it lying on a server. Um, and, and bear in mind, this database had been lying there for over seven months. Mm. So, you know, in, in my opinion, this is certainly not a hack. It's a, you know, it's, it's a data leak. And if you do the research and have a look at the stats, you know, of data leaks these days, you know, are a result from inside activity, Mm. whether it could be disgruntled employees that really... Or just plain... Negligence. Negligence. That's it. Chantal, it's been great chatting to you. It's just shown us just how how dramatic personal information is in terms of its impact on businesses. I think, you know, from, from my perspective, the impact on your small business has been quite significant. And there are other small businesses out there that have access to information that they need to be managing and take care of. And I think the message from us as a show is to just be very, very careful that you implement the proper procedures and controls. You do not want to be a Jigsaw Holdings. Chantal, thank you for your time. Really appreciate your insights. Thank you. Next up is our youth leadership platform. Stay with us. Cliffcentral.com.